Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohanad is here. Hello. And Bernie is here. Hello. And we tried to have Roche here, but tech problems massively intervened. Mm-hmm. Sad, sad, sad. Um, right. Where do we even start? It's it's uh, happy Fabrizio Romano month. Um, it's uh, it's been kind of bubbling along quietly, and now it's gotten completely out of control. Uh, let's start, I suppose, with Anthony Marcel. Bernie is he's out the door. How do you feel? Um, I felt really good about it, and then I felt bad about it um, because he gave me that moment that we we shared in Berlin. But <laughs> 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 they were in England. Uh, yeah, talented player. Maybe Spain lets him do whatever the hell he wants. Um, yeah, no, it's it's necessary, necessary, but kind of sad. Mohaned, you've been to Seville. Um, just how much of an upgrade on his life in Manchester will this be? He will not want to go back. Seville was, it was kind of one of those stops that kind of you add to Barcelona and whatever, thinking, yeah, I'll just go kind of see it. Why not, since I'm already all the way in Europe? But man, it was the place to be in Spain. Like I love Barcelona. I've been to Barcelona like three times. I will keep going back. But Sevilla was such a refreshing surprise. It was beautiful, man. It was unreal on the river and stuff. It was yeah. He's gonna love it. I mean, which is a problem because I think Marshall would play best in a place where he has no distractions. <laughs> uh, so like, I don't know where that would be. Eastern Europe, Siberia somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Krasnodar. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been to Iceland too. Is that is that the case? Well, I mean, I don't I don't see him as a hiking kind of guy. Sure. So if there's not that, then yeah, he can just focus on his football, really. <laughs> I I think it's actually quite exciting. Sevilla are doing really well this season. He's actually played all right. I mean, Bernie will maybe correct me, but I thought he he did all right when he came on the other day. Like he could make a serious contribution, and they're in the title chase. I mean, you know, I don't believe in those title chases from Sevilla, so from Sevilla, but nah, like he's had a couple cameos actually this season where he scored or did what he did uh, in the game against, who was it, West Ham. So he's been all right in fits and starts. Um, He's had two brilliant seasons out of six or whatever, and then one half season. So two and a half seasons out of six, it's not enough. And he needs to play, so I think it makes sense, and I think he'll do well, actually. Fair enough. I agree. I mean, I know you don't believe in title race, but they are only four points behind, and their their main man, Julian Lopetegui, uh, is being linked with Manchester United. So you should you should be backing them. <laughs> um, wait, if they win, he doesn't come, or he does? Which is the outcome? Because I don't want him, so tell me which one <laughs> is, important, is important to me. <laughs> I think he takes the job either way, to be honest. Okay, then I I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay, just it's kind okay. of odd place. He's gonna join Manchester United, and then within a week, the Real Madrid job will open up again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like that. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Um, before we do more more transfer crap, um, I did want to touch on the African Cup of Nations. Um. Fucking hell, man. Eight people died in a crush in, in Cameroon yesterday, which is absolutely tragic. Um, but then there have also been unreal galazzos. And I, I like it, I, I want to celebrate the joy of this rather than rather than the the tragedy, I think. Because what, what more is there to say other than it shouldn't have happened and it's awful. Um, but But at least there have been moments of joy in the last few days as well the, uh, this I, I keep saying it this is why afcon is except for the fact that i'm african is my favorite tournament because it's just fun it's just people do things <clears throat> that are liberating on the pitch and they just have a lot of fun and then you see these golassos that you don't actually see them in european competition like that because it's a lot more cagey tactical like you get the patrick schick whatever i think that was him right uh, in in the Euros, great. But you're getting these like every game in the African Cup of Nations because people are here to have fun, and and I support that. So the tragedy and, is is what it is. But you know we do have to revel in in what is the celebration of African football. Yeah. And and to your point, we've had two outfield players going in goal in the last 
week, which is just glorious. And one was in a knockout game. I mean, it's sensational stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was what uh, Comoros's left back against Cameroon. He made a he made a double save that was phenomenal. I mean, it looked awkward as hell. I mean, it would detect. Like honestly, I enjoyed watching him in goal because it actually made me appreciate the fact that goalkeepers have a whole different other technique that is so muscle memory in the way they do things that a normal person just standing there, yes, will put himself in front of the ball, but in a really awkward looking way that doesn't allow him to like do things. Like like he had that one save down to his left where he just sprawled and dove too early and it made it look so bad and he went with his right fist. Like it was just a mess. He still did what he had to do. But you, you kind of appreciate the technique that goalkeepers have and the muscle memory and the way they do things a certain way. It's not just put yourself in front of the ball kind of thing. Um, even his second save kind of that came back from the rebound. He saved it, but then after the save, he's completely out of the net. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, um, yeah anyways, it was, it was fun. They did, they, they did a good job actually like giving it to Cameroon for as long as they could. They, in the seventh minute, their captain got, I think, a harsh red card as well. Um, their free kick goal was a brilliant goal. Um, one of those kind of, um, what's it called? Those knuckle balls that kind of just falls right in the corner. It was beautiful. I think we should call them award, like award prowse, um, from mm. now on because knuckle balls associated with someone I'd rather not talk about ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I was going to say watching, watching an outfield player going in goal is like watching Aaron Bissaka playing right back hmm. just as awkward hmm. very awkward I, I, I don't <laughs> like you for that Alex no I don't I don't don't appreciate that I don't appreciate I just that. enjoyed the couple of seconds it took you to uh, get offended <laughs> <laughs> um, but what have we got what have we got coming up where has it gone I just had the schedule here okay um, so uh, yeah so today Senegal beat um, Verde, Morocco beat Malawi and we've got Ivory Coast Egypt Tomorrow, which is a banger. Well, you keep thinking that, but the Egypt games are are terribly boring. Sorry, Mo. Uh, And then uh, Mali against Equatorial Guinea. So tomorrow is the big one at 11 uh, 11 Eastern time. It's... I don't know. The thing with with knockout is anything can happen. Um, And I think... I don't know. You know, as as the game gets closer, you get more optimistic. Um, I don't know why, but I'm getting more and more optimistic thinking anything. It's also because I've watched some of these games and, you know, you see Morocco today struggle uh, against Malawi. You see kind of even Cameroon struggling versus 10. Like anything can happen in AFCON. I think Ivory Coast would be the favorites, just the way they're playing. Um, Pep is having a great tournament so far, etc. But anything is possible. So I I am looking forward to it. I I mean, the whole anything can happen. Thanks, Mo, because you know, reminded me of how my country lost to a team that had five people out with COVID or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yes, anything can happen. However, in the in the uh, in the Egypt scenario against Ivory Coast, I will say that um, if you play, if you're solid enough defensively, which basically Egypt has built its play around over the last couple of years, the Ivory Coast are not what's that word disciplined enough, in my opinion that you could do a bit of a defend and Salah madness and, and get through. It wouldn't surprise me at all. They are so ill-disciplined, especially defensively, that you could actually sneak something if with the right tactics, I think. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Live in hope, my friend. Live in hope. That's all I'm trying to help you with. <laughs> I'm supporting you guys now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Yeah. Sorry, go on, man. No, no, I was just—I was just trying to think like who are kind of favorites now with with kind of Nigeria out. I'm thinking Morocco are up there. I'm thinking Ivory Coast potentially, uh, or, or whoever kind of goes through between Egypt and Ivory Coast will will start to look a little bit like they they could do it. Um, I think Morocco have a good team. Um, Tunisia, I don't. That Ziyech think isn't so. in the squad. Like apparently he fell out with the manager, and they're doing this without him. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I mean, um, I mean, good, good for us in the Premier League because of the absolute beauty he scored this weekend. Oh, what a goal! Um, but we we do have a question uh, for Bernie um, from Raúl, who says, "Who does uh, Bernie anoint as the biggest mumu of, <laughs> of Nigeria's failed Afcon run?" Also, how does he feel about the two-legged Joloff Derby World Cup qualifier? Um, 
so it's been very easy to make jokes at Okoye the keeper because we've been making them he's, he's only a model joke since before <laughs> AFCON actually started um, and yes he was at fault for the goal however I think that's fine but Iwobi's red card is really what does you in at that point you're going against a team that's been basically defending the whole game and you have 10 men trying to attack it's not possible now a lot of people think that the red card wasn't deserved I'm like I can see it. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I don't like it will be already, and I'm a little bit biased. Yeah. I don't know, but to me, he was a bigger mumu, and we'll we'll do Ghana over two legs. I'm sure of that. Listen, I mean, I just wanted to that that was exact the exact tone that I said we'll beat Liverpool at home with. I'm just just warning you. Yeah, um, except you had no chance. You were being hopeful. On, like this is Nigeria, <laughs> Ghana. Come on. <laughs> um, I think I just uh, like it will be as much as the next person, but. That was not a red card in a million years. <laughs> well, they, they give those reds now where you go over the ball to shield it and then step on the other person. Like, like he intentionally, like, look, yes, it seems harsh, but I see it now and, it, and it's given and I, I agree with it because people go over the ball to shield it and then they, you know, stamp on the other person's ankle and it is a dangerous move and it happens now a lot more. And I think players know that's a red now. Whenever you go over the ball onto the player's ankle, it's given reds now and it, it might seem harsh, but... I agree with it because you should not be going over the ball into the player's ankle instead. Can I ask a question? Even though I, I, I do understand it, and again, it might be a will be, so maybe I understand it more than I normally would. But um, there's a there's an angle, right, where you where you look at it, and it will be clearly doesn't even know there's another human being anywhere near him. And you don't even see the guy coming at all. Like, I guess my question is, if you are trying to shield the ball and your studs are up and someone literally runs into you why like why is that a foul that, that's what i'm trying to understand like the guy is nowhere near him he rushes in like do you know what i mean it's not a tackle it's not a like yep. it, it that kind of throws me off a little bit no it's very it's very clear that he nothing about it is intentional and and the, there's one there's one thing kind of giving that decision in the heat of the moment at full speed but with var when you can look at it in slow motion and see that he doesn't know the guy's there. Yeah. That seems to be a whole nother story to me. And it's similar to the Comoros red, pretty much. And that's kind of why I also felt it was a little bit... It was even harsher than this one, if you see it. Even harsher. Um, the the one thing, though, that I came away with this game, if you're asking who's the Mumu, I felt like Ndidi was just shooting all the time from everywhere. And he just does not have that technique. And I don't know, Bernie, if you remember seeing that during the game or not, but like, indeed, he just seemed to be taking shots all the time. And I know the defense was packed. I know they were sitting back, etc. all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, like, that is not going to get you anywhere. And I don't think he just has it in his locker. And it's just not the right thing to do at that moment. Just have a little bit more composure, keep the ball, spray it around, do something more useful than that. So... Again, Nigerians do this thing, okay? A little bit like I'm at my national team now. <laughs> I'm a big deal, <laughs> you know. The old be Mikel. It's like be Mikel. Let, me ball. <laughs> let me do my thing. It's like calm down, bro. You don't have the facilities for that big man. Like seriously, come on. <laughs> Men's international. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. Literally, it 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 did feel a bit like Brendan doesn't let me do this. So, you know. I'm gonna have a crack at every available opportunity. Yeah, it was. It was. People were like, and and Inacho uh, thinks he's messy strolling around the pitch. It's like, bro, everyone shows up on African soil, and it's like, yes, my time. <laughs> yes, yeah, senior man. Perfect. Well, that's the end of section one, and we've got Roche back. Technical issues sorted. Yes, uh, just subbing myself on. Uh, glad to be here. Hi, everyone. Excellent. We've been playing with 10 men and, uh, well, you know, three, but 10. Yeah. is equivalent to eight men. VAR reversed the red card. We have yeah. a full squad. We could, have, we could have tried to get the game postponed, but we didn't because uh, we were above it. Um, <laughs> news. Roy the boy is back at the Premier League. And I, for one, am absolutely delighted. Uh, Roche, how do you feel about the re-emergence of Roy Hodgson at 74 years old? I think it's incredible that Roy Hodgson has accumulated more experience in his retirement than most people have in their normal careers. Yeah, he's uh, I, I, he did. Did he? 
that's true. Didn't he say he's retiring at some no, point? No, people just kind of assumed. Oh, because he's old. Yeah. <laughs> 65. 65 is the retirement age. He's 74. Oh, it's not compulsory. Yeah. <laughs> He's had like he's had like five or six clubs in in the last nine years. I think it's a long time. It's a lot a lot of clubs. I've uh, am I mistaken in thinking he was recently ish at Crystal Palace? Yeah, yeah. yeah before yeah. Vieira, he was there until the end of last season. Right. Okay. And we th- laughed about him and Zaha. What the hell would they be talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there there, there are ways. I mean, I love this just because I like Roy Hodgson, but. He speaks all the languages, and Watford's squad is like ridiculously international. Like I don't know where half of these people are from, so that will help. Um, but yeah, it is it is just always funny to think about him trying to converse with people like sixty years younger than him. Not yeah, 60, but it's also it's 50, also one of the yeah not sixty. It's also one of those things where we talk about like it's the same people that are just recycled back in and out and you know not not to say anything bad about Hudson but like we you know I guess Sam Allardyce I think fell out of that um, kind of rotation a little bit Pulis maybe in the, at the top of the game fell out of that rotation but like it just felt at some point where they just it seems like there is no new blood whatsoever or the risk is just way too high and people just want to feel safe and keep bringing the same people back in again and again and again to avoid relegations or whatever it is and it's just boring like at some point you'll need new blood and like you know, it's the same with players. When when you see these really old players come on the field, and you're just thinking, like, is no one in your entire squad better than this? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I get the safety aspect. You just want to be safe and think, like, well, he's done it before. But, you know, that's not necessarily going to guarantee results. The problem on it is that um, Roy, okay, like, West Watford, not West Ham, Wait, where's the coaching? Watford, yeah. Watford keep yeah. sacking, like they keep hiring a progressive guy that we've never heard of. Well, at least I think he's progressive. Then they sack that person within three months and they go to the old guy and then they go back progressive after a while. It's a ridiculous thing. And oh, Roy did retire and then come out just for this. Like, mate, my, my, it's not, he's not having fun at home. We're, we're just calling him Roy now? Is that what's happening? Yeah, Uncle Roy, okay. uh, Grandpa. We're on a first name basis, why not? But I mean, but, to be fair, it's it's a good time for him to come in. Half the season still left. Uh, Watford definitely need a new manager bounce. They need someone with experience, like Roy. Um, you know, Crystal Palace under Roy weren't actually that bad. So maybe there's a six month cameo for him. Maybe it's not a long term thing. Still TBD. I mean, that is for, for Watford. For Watford, that's a very long term. Six months. Oh boy, he's he's going to be their longest standing manager ever. Yeah. So I mean, can, will will he live long enough to get sacked? That's the question. That's, right. that's his real race. It's not their relegation race. <laughs> I just like. I mean, I hope so. You know, don't get it twisted. But it is a possibility. But like, there's nothing really in this for him. He must just be a bit bored. Like, yeah, even well, if it goes well, they survive. He'll still get sacked at some point next season. Yeah, Watford, they're like, we stayed up, but our manager got relegated to the afterlife. But hey, <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, but I also think, like we talked about this, Alex, I feel like Watford with the sackings and the managers and the sackings and the managers, that's kind of a way to stay relevant. So I feel yeah, like they're just really... Brand. Yeah, it's their brand. And they're, you know, the marketing department is ecstatic. So they're just leaning into it. They're just like, okay, who will fail? Let's get them on. Yeah. But also, like, no good manager is going to take this job because they know what the deal is. I well, you know who would be a good candidate? Jose Mourinho. Oh. Do they have the money for him to spend, though? Okay, hold on. Wait, take that thought. The Saudis took over uh, Newcastle. The Qataris took over. Like, which Gulf country? Oman needs to take over somewhere, right? Like, Mohamed Oman's do, I think. Yeah. If Oman takes over something, it could be Watford. And then you could entice Jose after he's sacked from Roma, which we know is going to happen at some point very soon. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, I think if you proposed this to the Watford owners, they wouldn't necessarily be against it. Yeah, because marketing, as you guys said, just, yeah. <laughs> they have a template for this stuff. Just insert name here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but before before you hire Mourinho, you have to put aside like twenty million for his payout. So exactly. you got to make sure you've got that money because Mourinho sometimes stays in jobs long enough just because people can't afford to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
speaking of uh, other shambolic clubs and managerial appointments, Everton seemed to be about to appoint Vitor Pereira, who was sacked by Fenerbahce five months ago. Uh, and like their fans are up in arms. And according to the article I read, most of the board members think this is a terrible idea, but Moshiri just wants to do it anyway. Can Moshiri, like, I think he needs to be thrown in jail at this point. Like, <laughs> Like, what? He 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 runs the football club as if he's like a Batman villain. Like nothing makes any sense. Lock him in the asylum. This guy is insane. He he looked at Rooney, Jesse Marsh apparently, Vito Pereira. Like mate, you need Steve Bruce. I'm not even joking anymore. This is what you need. Enough. No, like, what is Vita Pereira gonna come in and do? Like, well, actually, what's he gonna, what is he finish, going to do? Finish fifteenth, <laughs> which anyone would do anyway. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Everton are, I would say, over maybe I just, and maybe it's just a gut feeling thing. Maybe it's not true, but how I feel about them is they're the club. They're the most almost club in this league. Mm-hmm. Like, it's them, and it was Spurs a couple of years back before they kind of made a little bit of a jump, you know, into the slightly big boy bracket. It was always Spurs. But, like, for me, it's always Everton that just seemed to be that team that are hovering back in the day outside of the top four, now outside the top six. And it's they're always the almost team. They're always like, you, you've got stuff there. You've got things going. You've got a huge fan base. You've got that brilliant, you know, rivalry with Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're relevant. It's just, there's always a bad decision that sets them back like three seasons and then they have to rebuild every time. It just feels so close a lot. Yep. You know, uh, there's another club that's very similar to that, Mohanad, um, in the name of Tottenham Hotspur. But you don't feel the same way about them and their mistakes and their rebuilding. Oh, that's because I enjoy them. But but I did mention like I think they were that club before they kind of bounced they kind of kind of tried to jump into that top four, top six, and they're doing it to be fair since kind of Pochettino. So I think they've they've broken that um that pattern, but Everton still haven't. They're still yeah. where they are. Everton are not even where they were. Everton are four points above the relegation zone I mean I don't think they'll get relegated but in fact that's a perfect segue to, to this question um, that came in from um, Cameron Herbert at CamH on Twitter who says what are your relegation predictions I have Watford Norwich and Newcastle uh, in brackets assuming they make no January signings uh, and Burnley will make the great escape you heard it here first now that's not the first we've heard it because we sorry Cam but we, we've mentioned this before um, Burnley always do this but I, more hope than anything, I'm going. This is the year that they don't. Ooh, ooh, bold. I'm just willing it into existence. Um, I'm gonna go with you and will it into existence. I think there is some fact to this, especially they lost their talisman, Chris Wood. <laughs> but uh, Burnley are going down, Watford are going down, and Norwich go down. Newcastle escape. Yeah, That's mine is right. mine is definitely Norwich. Norwich to go down for sure. I mean, I know they've won the last two games or whatever it was, but um, Norwich will go down, and I think Brentford are still. You know, the, the teams at the bottom have like, I mean, Burnley has five games on Brentford, right? Like, I know they're not gonna win their games, and United mm-hmm. fans know know very well how that doesn't work out. But it's, I would say, I think Brentford might get sucked sucked into it. I think Brentford Burnley Norwich or Watford Norwich. What if I throw uh, Christian Eriksen into the Brentford mix? Does that change anything for you? No. No, I don't want to have to make any jokes right now. So So, so we're doing um, relegation predictions then and Mahana has got Brentford, Burnley and Watford? Yes. Who have you got? Um, well, definitely Burnley. I'm going to go Newcastle and Norwich. Wait, do we all, all right. have Norwich? Or has Alex not said his? No, no, Alex, Alex, Alex. Look, the thing is this. Alex is not predicting. Alex is going with what he wishes happens. Because he said <laughs> he said two weeks ago that Norwich are still, you know, not 
doomed and we all laughed at him and fair to him they won two games in the trot or whatever and now they're all of a sudden they're looking yes. like champions so Josh he's not saying yeah so he, exactly he's not saying he's not saying Norwich for that reason so let's clear that out the next <laughs> is Burnley he's saying Burnley because he wants them to go down so this is not the question Alex who the hell is it actually going to go down <laughs> and then my last one is Everton so the Arsenal can nick Calvert there we go nothing yeah um, no, I, who's actually going to go down? Um, okay, I, I'm genuinely going to go for Burnley just because I think, yeah, they've got tons of gamers in hand, but like it, they're a long way back. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I love Roy Hodgson. I think Hodgson will just do enough, so it won't be Watford. So it will be Norwich. And it, it has to be Norwich. They have a minus uh, 32 goal differential. I think you're Leeds. forgetting something. I think you're forgetting something very important with Watford's hope there for you is that there is major Nigerian juju on that club. <laughs> True. So it is, you know, it's doomed. I mean, since the AFCON started and they cannot buy a goal, man. So, you know, Dennis can barely walk. Like, you don't understand. So, <laughs> so the Nigerian juju is real. Like, they're going down. They're, going, they're, they're actually not going down to the championship. They're going straight to League One next season. So yeah, I don't know, man. I I wouldn't mess with that. Okay, so Burnley, Norwich, and uh, and Watford. Then there we go. That's that's good. That's a good call because New, Newcastle. You know, you, I don't know. I, it would be funny for the Saudis to come in and kind of manage their first full season in the championship. But yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what they do in the Premier League. Well, I'll have you know, speaking of Nigerian juju, that the goalkeeper Maduka Okoye is a Watford player on loan in mm-hmm. Holland. So. Yes, this thing is real. <laughs> this thing is you, real. So just to clarify, no one else has Newcastle going down. Is that correct? No. No, they're not going no. down. They're not going Listen, down. I mean... I hope they do. We all hope they do. Yeah. We all hope they do. Trust me. Say Maximan is enough to bail them out. They'll, 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 I'll, I'll say they'll avoid it by three points. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, look at... This is the team that is that is bidding for Bruno Guimaraes, like, and I know. Okay, I'm going to set Mohamed off on this because <laughs> <laughs> this is someone that Arsenal have been looking at for like two years. And uh, Mohamed, safe to say, you were furious when the news of Newcastle well, slapping like... 40 million on the table came through. The problem is this: like, you go through these waves of trusting what Edu and Arteta do, and then not trusting it whatsoever. It just like daily it changes five times. And now I'm at the point of like. Is Gimmersh really that bad? Like, do we need Shaka so much that we hold on to him so hard? Like, can we... Like, he was he was available two years ago. We let him go. Now he's seemingly available with a release clause, etc. And we're not bidding for him. So I would like to think that we're not incompetent enough and that we are making the decision not to get him. Maybe for reasons that I am unaware of. And they've looked at the... To be fair to them, the eight, seven, eight players that they brought in the summer are all perfect. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to go by the summer, then you got to trust them in January. But like he just seems so good every time I watch him, and I'm just like, and Arsenal, Arsenal are not like, you know, we're not going for first. Surely he's good enough to come like fourth what in is, the Premier League. You know what are, I mean? Are you streaming like Leon games, or is it just the ones he plays against against Messi that you're like, oh my god, Bruno Guimaraes stood out? Bro, I'm watching every time like Guendouzi, Guimaraes, Saliba get their own highlights on YouTube every game now. <laughs> don't do this. Just to spite, just to spite Arsenal don't fans. Do this. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like Saliba is like 37 week running in team of the week in league. Like you don't understand. Guendouzi like is the best per- midfielder in the league. Like it's unreal and Arsenal fans are just going nuts because of these stupid YouTube compilations. Don't do this to yourselves. Please don't do this to yourselves. <laughs> maybe maybe they they took your uh, advice from last week and uh, given Marseille's transfer ban just thought we don't need Gumarash we'll just bring Guendouzi back. There we go. There we go. I, I mean yeah, that would I have be a question. Good. For for your Arsenal guy, just on the topic of midfield. So I've never watched this guy play, but Bubakar Kamara apparently everyone likes him, and he's free, apparently amazing, and he's available for free in the summer, which means you can buy him for ten now. And then Dennis Zakaria from München Gladbach is available for seven. Why aren't you doing any of those? You you're looking at Arthur Melo on loan, apparently. Why aren't you doing any months. of those two when people apparently really like those guys? If we so, sign Arthur Melo on loan for eighteen months, I'm done. I'm just finished. <laughs> Why? It's, it's just a, a, a modern Kim Karlstrom. Artur? <laughs> no, listen. I, I have a theory about this. It could be total nonsense. But my idea is basically that 
they've been trying and trying and trying to get the Vlaovic thing done. And they've got X amount of money, call it 60 million, 70 million or whatever, to spend on a striker. And they're trying to do that now. Um, whether it's not going to, it's clearly not going to be Vlajevic. We'll talk about that in a minute. They're looking at Calvert Lewin allegedly, looking at Alexander Isak allegedly. So my my guess is that they want to do the striker thing now, and if there's money after that, then maybe they'll look at midfield. But that's why I think it it's not happening. But like the Dennis Zakaria thing is mad because he, he's going to cost seven million. Like any, any club in Europe should be looking at that. Yeah, yeah, but if you believe that, if you believe what's being written and stuff about the Vlajevic thing, like. If you believe what's being said, what's being said is that they're not even communicating with their own club about Arsenal's interest. And that's been the case for like a week now. So like, I hope they, you know, kind of pivoted a long time ago and not kind of just waited on this endless hope that something is going to happen. We've been told this for months. Fabrizio literally told us this, that he's not going to consider Arsenal for months. I cannot understand. Actually, I do know what he's doing. He's been giving you guys signs to up whatever uh, valuation from wages that he can get from Juventus. So that's, that's probably what he's been doing. Because there's no to way that, he was ever going to sign. We all knew that. To that point, um, Don Yaya says, um, Juventus apparently signing Vlaovic for $70 million. Any idea where they're getting this cash? Dodgy answers only. I think um, one of the people that's been investigating them their child has been kidnapped. <laughs> and <laughs> that person, in order to get their kid out, had to pay a ransom to Juventus, and that's the money that they're using to pay for Vlaovic. Okay. He said he said he said bad answers only or something, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So here's here's my theory. Juventus board, Juventus fans, Juventus whoever make these decisions and this fraudulent activity, they see the black and white stripes all the time. <laughs> So it doesn't phase them going to jail. It just doesn't phase them. They're like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to go to jail and they're going to give me a free Juventus kit? Yeah, let's do it. You know? So right. they're not phased by, by, by jail. That's all. Roche, what's here's, your dodgy answer? Here's my dodgy answer. Um, Agnelli picks up his cell phone and he calls Florentino. He says, <laughs> boss, I'm sorry about the whole uh, breakaway league, but we need money. I know you secured that loan from uh, JP Morgan or whatever the hell it was. Um, slip me some and I'll be your bitch forever. That's not, you know that's what? not dodgy. That's, that's, not, that's, not, even even, dodgy. that's not even dodgy. That's you know, not that's, super that's, realistic. That's factual. I'm sure this happened. <laughs> that sounds like that's, exactly yeah, what sure. happened. Yeah, yeah. Follow, the, follow the money. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jay. Perez is just on the phone. He's like, hey, JP. You got a bit extra from my from my mate Andrea. Is that, is that where he has the JP Morgan guy's banker's daughter? That's who he has in right <laughs> Florentino oh, did the God. kidnapping. I like it. I like it. And and because they're not afraid of jail, they still get the Juventus kits. That's how you bring all the stories together. <laughs> also, that's probably where Barcelona got the money for Fran Torres that they know they don't have. <laughs> it's all it's all just Super League money in advance basically what it is um but yeah let, let's talk about Vlaovic for a second on the one hand i feel like obviously uh, you know i would have liked to see him go to arsenal i never thought it was really going to happen but on the other like I, i'm quite happy that a talent of that level is staying in Serie A because i don't like it when all the best players go to the same place um it does free up morata to go to barcelona i don't know why xavi wants this to happen but he seems to <laughs> 55 million for Antares. <laughs> that's why that's why you get a Morata. <laughs> when you when you talk about the net the net positive for Syria, it's not just Vlaovic staying, it's also Morata leaving. <laughs> yeah. So your net positive is even more. But the funny thing is like the the Vlaovic thing, like he clearly wants to stay in Italy. Um and Juve is the, really the only place he's going to go, but it it's a weird one because I don't know, maybe players are just... You know, like, you think about Ferran Torres, 50 million. 50 million, what, euros that Barcelona yeah. paid? You look at um, you look at how much Vlavic is going to go for in terms of, you know, how much Fiorentina are going to get paid, and it's not that far off. And Barcelona need a certified striker. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense to spend that money on Torres. But at the end of the day, honestly, I watched a lot of Vlavic compilations, and I actually worry about his character like he seems to be a very strong character like the way he celebrates 
it's never with, and I, maybe I look too much into this, but these are the things I like to try and you know pick up on. He never celebrates with his teammates. He always wheels away, celebrates on his own, never acknowledges the assist kind of thing. You know, when he celebrates with his manager, it's super like rough. It's super like, and I just thought, you know what? I don't think it would have worked with Arsenal squad. I really just don't think he would have been a little bit of a misfit. I feel from what Arteta's trying to build ever form of emotional protection I've ever oh, seen. Oh, no, no. Like, I, I wish he... Wanted went from, we need him now to, I don't think it would have worked, you know. You it's know. Nice. <laughs> that's not what I'm... Minute of details about, oh, how he celebrates and he's... Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I look for. But I honestly, like, I would love to have him. I'm just saying, I don't think if he came, it would have worked out. That's all. I think that's, that's consistent. Enough. Yeah, yeah. He's too rough for the Arsenal squad. He might injure them in so. training. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, there was a moment on a on a recent Arsenal video. They did a little interview with uh, Ramsdale and Saka, uh, talking about like their best goals and saves or something. And um, one of them, I think, do you guys remember the Ramsdale save from Connor Gallagher a few weeks ago? Gallagher hit a volley from the edge of the area. Ramsdale, it, like Ramsdale, mm-hmm. saved it at the last second with a with a quite a big dive. And they were talking about like, was he actually able to see it? until the last second. And he basically was like, no, because Tomiyasu's head is fucking huge. <laughs> it is. It is. He's a, he's, a, he's a weird looking, he's a weird looking guy. He's like a, he's a rectangle. He is a rectangle. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Um, Trifactor podcast says, what is Arteta doing in Denver? Mohamed, any ideas? Yeah. You see the, you see the little clip of him sitting there in the, uh, the NFL game. Apparently, it was an insane weekend of NFL, just by the way, for those. I know we don't all watch it, but it was four games of absolute yeah. mayhem. And I don't know what that means. I just read that. But um, Rache, you you probably, out of all of us, know the most about that. But anyways, the point is, he was there. Kronk's team won. They're LA Rams or whatever the hell they are. And I think Arteta was just waiting. I don't know how the money works um, in NFL, but I'm hoping that every time you go to one more round or one more level or whatever the hell it's called, you make more money and Arteta's like, ah, maybe we can get some of that. Huh? Well, huh? Uh, you, you know, you, you know Mata, that's wishful thinking because the Man United owners are actually the Tampa Bay Buccaneer owners and Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl last year, but United uh, free fall halfway through the season. Um, but anyway, another point I wanted to make about the NFL, yes, this past weekend was insane. I would highly recommend watching highlights. But number two, I have seen EPL commercials on the uh, on the NBC or the CBS broadcast of the NFL. There is a partnership between the NFL and, and the EPL. And it's nice to see that, you know, they're, they're advertising so much for like Spurs or Christian uh, yeah. Pulisic. They they call him a superstar as we've seen in the in the US. So, so yeah, I think it's I think it's linked there. to two things. I think it's linked to NBC. I think showing games, right? Showing Premier yeah, League games. So it's kind of yeah. yeah. So there's that, and then you're right. There is like the Spurs, you know, more stadiums in England trying to host that one random NFL game in the middle of the season, etc. Um, so yeah, there is definitely more of a connection there than there ever was. I think that Arteta was there scouting midfielders, like the kickers. He's like, hmm, you can kick the ball. I just need someone to do that. So <laughs> come aboard. I think we, the problem is we don't need any more rough tacklers that get red cards. So I don't know. <laughs> Another reason that Vlajevic wasn't welcome. Hmm. <laughs> um, Premier League games last weekend, um, given there aren't going to be... Uh, anymore now for a little while because of the international break. Um, United beat West Ham. It was unconvincing, but Rashford has got more like last-minute goals than like anyone else ever. Yes. No, that is thing. a <laughs> Look, I'm glad that we have this podcast because everyone was like, what a great, dis- comfortable display. I'm like, you what? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> like, like, like where? <laughs> there was one shot on target. In the 94th minute, which was the goal. <laughs> what are we talking about? It was a good defensive display, but, I mean, that attack is still a problem to me, and we all know why. <laughs> he who shall not be named, as far as I'm concerned. So, Lord, uh, Lord Voldemort? Yeah. Some people yeah. just call him Seven at this point. Ronaldomort. <laughs> But you know, to to Bernie's point, I I mean, I I empathize with Bernie because yes, our attack was terrible, one shot on target, and it needed, you know, Cavani and Marshall to come off the bench in the 80th minute or whatever it was. And that's kind of pathetic, especially with Ronaldo Mort on the field. However, (laughs) 
there were some positives from this performance. Just the fact that there was off the field drama at the club, and it seems that the players really were focused in this performance. They were actually controlling the ball. They were actually applying pressure, which is something that you haven't seen from a United team in a long time, especially against the West Ham team. They applied pressure consistently, and they got the reward in the last minute. So yes, it was shit and uncohesive, but they got the result. They tried. Am I, am I right in saying that? Just I think the last two games watching United, McTominay is kind of playing alone in the deepest position or am I going crazy? Like it used to be a little bit more like him and friend or something, but I feel like recently it just seemed the setup every time kind of you guys get in shape that it's more of a, a one, two in midfield than a two, one that it's used to be. I, it just felt that way and he's doing a good job, but it just looking at you guys like off the ball or etc. it felt more that way recently. It's a little bit, but it's also very deceiving. So Ralph is saying that he's playing four, three, three, like he he turned the triangle the other way is how we put it mm-hmm. with McTominay at the base and then Fred and Bruno as two eights. It's not really. It's Fred and McTominay interchanging who plays the six. That's really what is going on. Sometimes you see McTominay deepest. Sometimes you see Fred deepest. That's really. But it's still happens. very. But it's but it's still Bernie. I think very clear that there's one player. Maybe it's not McTominay yes. all the time, but like it's very clear that it's one, not yes. two at the base. Yes. Yes. Right. That, that is what's happening, and you've seen results of. More ball control in this game. In the previous game, we saw an open midfield where Aston Villa... Was it Aston Villa? Yeah, Aston Villa, right? Like, there was a 2-2 before this game. Where they just came... Yes, exactly. They just, like... It was waves of attack. So, it's like, is it working? Is it not? I I don't Mm -hmm. know. All all I know is the results, points-wise, have been good. Only second to City. And the defense has been better, which is great. But the attack is still horrible. Except for Bruno waking up now. Speaking of, Coutinho is fun to have back in the league, man. Like, I don't care about his form at Barca and all the fun that we make, but, like, having someone like him back and watching the little things that he does, like, it's just fun. I mean, he, he came, started with a bang, played really well the game after as well. It's um, these little additions to the league, these random ones, they, they kind of just keep the keep the interest going, you know? Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to watch. And <laughs> someone I can't remember who's maybe Carragher said that the best thing out of this is Buendia has started, play- you know, he's, what is it? Like, yeah. Pogba's whoever, who, who got, who did we laugh about a lot that, like, someone had to be signed for the, ex- oh, Luke Shaw, wasn't yeah. it? Or who was it? Like, what? someone got signed. That, yeah. No, no, no. It was like someone, I think United signed and then oh, the existing oh, players started. Oh. It's, it's Tellez and then Shaw said, fuck this yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to play, like, the best in the world or whatever. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. and uh, and Buendia started to do that now with Coutinho there. They are playing together, but you can see the step up is is real. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, we're talking about Villa good. right now, right? Sorry, sorry, Alex. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, it's great. Yeah, no, I was, Villa have been good lately. Like, I, I especially enjoyed that Gerard has been super professional in everything that he's done, but then he shows up at Everton and he's just like giving them shit, and the fans are swearing at him and he's laughing at them. And it was, yeah, it, it was nice to see that rivalry continue, especially if he's not even managing Liverpool yet. Yeah, yeah. And Gerard enjoyed the beating Liverpool. I mean, uh, Everton, it. sorry, he loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I, I just want to say I'm really impressed with Gerard, but I feel like just because he is Steven Gerard, he attracted Coutinho, he's attracted Lucas Dean. And I think there's another player that they're trying to get in there. Yeah, like you're right. And, and you're right. And, and, and it's not and it's not because Gerard is some unbelievable world class manager, but it's because at least he's young. He there's a bit of a there's a bit of a buzz around what he's trying to do, etc. Like it would make a difference if it was like I don't think Coutinho signs for Villa if Roy Hodgson is the manager. It just doesn't happen. Let's let's get something straight. As much as I hate being the guy who comes off salty at Gerard, here we go. Coutinho shows up because he knows Gerard, not because he thinks he's this wonderful manager I want to play for. They play oh, together, they exactly know each other. I could have sworn. I could have sworn <laughs> I just said that. No, you said because he's young and he's doing good progressive things and whatever, whatever. Not that they know they know each other. That's why he wants to play. But Dinia on the other end wasn't attracted by Gerard. The only club who wanted to pay twenty seven million for the guy. Okay, Everyone so here's a question. Else, no. Here's a question. I don't know whether Coutinho played when what's his name? The Liverpool legend was their manager for six months and Suarez was a racist. What's his name? Dalglish? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Coutinho was there or while Dalglish was there, but Coutinho knows Dalglish. You think if Dalglish is manager at the Villa, Coutinho comes back? Like, let's not go crazy. I'm not saying uh, Jared's the best thing in the world, but it is he knows him, yes, but it's also because he's young. It's also because he thinks he's gonna play the football that he hopes to play. But like there are some factors of having him there that would not be the same. 
same if it was an old I'm just saying that the only thing that we actually know is that they know each other. That's the only thing that we actually know. We don't know if Coutinho's like, mate, you're doing such a progressive job that, like, I really want to play under you. No, we don't know that. He needed to play football. No one else wanted to pay the wages and pay for him. And he knows Steven Jarrett gave him a way out. I'm not, I'm not saying Maybe. what you're saying is not true, man. I'm just saying we don't know that. You're just making it up. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, that's if we didn't do that, Bernie, we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, <laughs> but also, like, if, if Coutinho knew Sean Dyche, I don't think he'd still go to Burnley yeah, like, just on that. <laughs> you know? He'd be like, I'm not doing this shit. I bet he would. He needs to play, man. <laughs> um, Anyway, what else happened? So, yeah, Villa doing well. Um, Norwich, we touched on their, their two-game winning streak. Newcastle beat Leeds. What a result. Sort of. It shouldn't uh, be a big did, deal, but it was. Speaking of Leeds, did you see uh, Melier's mistake? Yeah, did you see his like four or five other very good saves? It doesn't make up for the fact that he lost in the game. <laughs> Why did, well, he, needs, he needs them to score yes. some goals. It's not was it, was I mean, Newcastle... he let... Yeah, this is the one where he let Shelby score a free kick in his on the side that he was standing. That was the worst free kick you've ever seen. It got a little nick. So, so sorry, I'm, I'm, I can't remember the score of this game. Was it one nil? Yeah. Yes. Shelby Newcastle versus Leeds, a one nil. Wow, that's that's actually unbelievable because normally Leeds are either losing five nil or they're winning five <laughs> two. Yeah. Well, this season they're getting relegated, so <laughs> yeah, they have been subdued. I mean, don't get me started on uh, what's his face, the manager, the way he does his press conferences. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we're not going to. We're um, not going to. Yeah, no, but but zero goals conceded for Newcastle. That's a really uh, that's a positive development for Eddie Howe, and yeah, they're going to win the league at some point. A rare clean sheet. Um, Southampton won, Manchester City won. For some reason, Ralph Hasenhutl like has Pep Guardiola's number, and it's a bit random. But Southampton always do really well against Manchester City, and when I say really well. They like draw or lose only by one goal. <laughs> when I, I looked at this number, I just thought of the song from uh, the IT IT crowd. I don't know why. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to hear it? Yes, yeah, please. Sure. I got it memorized. Oh Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got that one. Beautiful rendition. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? That is a long. That is a long phone number for emergency service because I can't I remember actually, even what we were talking about. That was the greatest. Remember. That was the greatest episode of the show. Greatest joke ever. It it it, it really is. I think we're talking about Ralph having uh, Pep's number, uh, which yes. meant only losing by one goal or managing a draw. Yeah. But I like I like what impressive. Southampton are doing this year, man. I like them. I just feel like yeah. they're yes, they're not gonna set the world alight before Bernie freaking starts yapping over there about like how oh my god they're sitting in fourteenth or whatever. Oh, cool, but the bro. point is like they're solid, like they're solid enough and they're fun to watch. They're actually good going forward. Uh, I'm cool. Me and Ralph are cool. Marcelo's in the mud. I'm cool with Ralph. It's all good. <laughs> as long as there's course, someone to hate. This is, this is of course, with the exception of the odd nine-nil loss for Southampton, because there we go. Yes, you know, they they have had the one-nil against Liverpool. They've had a couple of two-two draws against United. Maybe a three-two here and there, but then obviously the nine-nil, two nine-nils. Who is so, that against again? One against Leicester and, and one against United. United. Yeah. Oh. No. I, there's a beautiful account on Twitter. Uh, a Southampton account, uh, like a fan who his account name is now, has the nine nil been referenced today? And every, <laughs> and every time Southampton, like right after that game, even when Southampton went like two nil down in like the seventieth minute, it would still be referenced, and he'd go, "Yep, it was referenced." <laughs> I think when they lost to United, he went, "Oh fuck me," or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but I do really respect Southampton for not sacking a manager who's lost 9-0 twice. Like, not many clubs would do that. Shit, it was the same manager. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, nope. uh, though, I do want to talk about City because I thought this was the best performance of the season by far. By far. <laughs> by far. By far. More, more, more than you can believe. More than you can believe. More than you can know. Yeah. More than you can. The best, 
Yeah, the best thing about Pep, one of those things, is when he cried tears, te- hot tears, <laughs> when Aguero left. And then he bid 250 million for Kane, like the week after. He's like, we cannot replace him. We will never replace him. <laughs> He's actually also, a also the, It's Chelsea. The, it's after they beat them like 6 0 or something. It's, like, it's Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, they, like. Yeah. The Ward Prowse is the best free kick taker in the world, and Southampton are world beaters. Uh, it's just it, the ego the is unreal. No, the it's, ego it's, is it's unreal. It's the Arteta is doing the best job. He's this. He's that. He's so amazing. Beat the shit out of him every time. <laughs> guys, guys, there, there, there was a little boy, and he grew up, and he played for his local club, and then he managed his club, and he destroyed football, guys. <laughs> You know who that was? <laughs> it was me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like okay, so so man. are we playing four three three or four two three one? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like it's like it's like this is this is fantastic. But are you playing a defensive midfielder today in the Champions League <laughs> final? I just like to find out. <laughs> He's oh. actually mad, but unreal. You have to be mad to be that level. You have genius, to be, I guess. You have to, yeah. yeah, to be this genius or whatever you try and be. You have to be unhinged a little bit. I don't Speaking think he which, has friends. No, 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 no. Like maybe a couple people within football, but like nothing outside of football. Like regular people, you can just call and be like, "Hey, man, what's up?" <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you remember when Arteta left? He turned and spoke to the seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that's in any indication. Um, but speaking of unhinged managers, uh, Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 3-1. This was a weird game, man. This was so weird. Like, first, what, 35 minutes or so? Liverpool just absolutely dominated the game. And then that one mistake, Elise, who, or Elise, who was absolutely brilliant, and Rince Robertson, even though Robertson also had a good game, um, and it just like switched just like that, and then mm-hmm. Palace were were really good, and like I just can't help but but be very impressed by by Palace even yeah, games where they don't get the result. Well, I mean they they their xG compared to their points is unreal. It's they have they've had games where their xG is double the opponent, and they've managed to lose the games. Um, and the, like they're playing very well. They're they're doing you know Vieira's doing a great job there so far. But this is the thing with the Premier League. It's one nil, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard this a million times, but one nil is really never enough. Like you need to get the security because the teams will turn it on. Um, you'll kind of drop a little bit. You'll make one silly mistake, one corner kick. Anything can happen, and the opposition are right back in the game. And I think this game should have ended on a much kind of more exciting note if that penalty wasn't given to Liverpool. That like kind of Dodgy. phantom penalty. Dodgy. Um, very, very dodgy, dodgy, man. It's just like it's it's. Like the fact that you have VAR, like Alex said earlier, makes it even worse that you gave that decision. And like the problem is, referees sit there and they look at footage and they tick off theoretical boxes from the rule book. I, like you can tell they do that, right? When they give red cards, when they give these mm-hmm. penalties, they look at the, they look at it and they go, okay, when I have the book thrown at me, am I going to be able to defend this? And yes, they can. They're going to say there was contact. They're going to say there was this. They, you know, they can defend the decision. But like you also got to know football, and none of these guys have played it. These guys just follow the book and tick off boxes and make decisions. And if that's the case, then you don't need the ref on the field. Just have the dude in front of the monitor make all the calls and just, you know, we don't need to watch the ref run around on the field. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You have to have some sense of the situation, some sense of what's actually happening. You know, the fact that, let's say this, the fact that uh, Jota miskicked the ball. I'm sure in the rule book, it has nothing, the rule book will say nothing about Jota's miskick and the fact that he didn't touch the ball. But as fans, as people who understand football, you have to take that into account. Like, it's gone. You know, you remember, you know, the days of like, it all sticks with me, that Rooney penalty against Arsenal. I don't know if you remember. He nicks the, the ball. He pushed it all the way to the side he, and then... Rose yeah. Z, bro, like the ball went into the fans because he knew all he had to do was kick it as hard as he can and they'll give it once there's contact. Like, you just have to have a bit more sense about these situations, especially the fact that <sighs> penalties are a big deal. They change red cards and penalties are the two most kind of things or events in football that change a game. So mm-hmm. they have to be given only when it's absolutely necessary and not willy nilly. It just ruins the spectacle. Yeah, I, I do. I've enjoy... been saying for years. Sorry, Rache, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like yeah. I mean, I agree that the calls are, are key calls and they should get them right. 
And that's why I'm a proponent for VAR. I just think that the way it's administered right now, not the most efficient, but they're going to get it right at some point. I just hope they don't do a political BS like, oh, we need we need to wait five seasons and, and all these people to be outraged before we actually implement what is the right decision. You but, know? but here's the thing, like it's, it's what's happening now is not a process issue or a technology issue. It's literally just a human making the wrong decision despite sitting there watching it you know, so I'm not sure what improvement can be made in the way it's implemented because it's still human error. It's just a different human. I think the, the important thing is that it's really about liability, right? That's really what it is. So to mm-hmm. Mona's point, can you re- can you find some way to defend this decision? If the answer is remotely yes, you can't say you can't say it's the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Like if there yeah. is contact on Jota, for example, that could topple him over. Sure, I can come out and tell you that there was contact on Jota. Like, forget the fact that he miskicked it and it takes him in, in into the guy. Look at look at Chelsea, right? To me, the Kane one, I would have let it go. <laughs> like, if I was the ref, I would have let that go. Is his hand on him? Yes. Is his hand on him enough to send Thiago Silva flying? No. So I I would have factored these into into my call, but the ref goes, listen, this is a top four race. His hands on his back. He's fallen. If I give this, I could look really bad. So I'm gonna take it back. That's that's literally how these guys are thinking. Yeah. They're never gonna stop thinking that way. It will like they will always think that way. But this is the problem. The problem is once it becomes subjective, it's hard, right? Which is why referees just follow the book because once it becomes subjective, you're saying I would have let it go. The other referee would have not let it go. Then it becomes an issue for them. So it's almost like it's hard to solve because if you're trying to be subjective, it opens a whole other kind of worms where things are not consistent. Right, and one referee has another view than another. Then the problem is they try and solve that by making it completely black and white, and then all of a sudden it kind of just completely desensitizes the game, and you're just looking at it from a robotic perspective. So I feel for them a little bit too. It's like kind of how do we, where do you kind of get in and solve this? You cannot be subjective, but at the same time we don't want it so black and white. So you know, is it the same dude that referees every single game? Like it just how do you make it work? I honestly yeah. don't know. Roche will say robot refs. I I mean, yeah, no, no. You need somebody on the field like in the form of a referee because the whole dynamic of the game will change. Well, who are the players going to yell at? The linesman? I mean, <laughs> like, you need a ref. But honestly, the ref should probably like use the review a little bit more. So there's a little bit of a... Yeah, and use it better. Versus human. Use, it like, better use, use it better. Use, use it better. Yeah. Like the referee, like I think referees need to understand football i need to look at that and be like okay well he clearly just walks into the keeper because he realizes that he misses the ball no penalty and move on like liverpool fans can yell all they want that there's contact but at the end of the day you really know deep down that is not a penalty it cannot yeah, be yeah. given as a penalty it's exactly like uh, sorry go ahead uh, i was just gonna add a like a point is Mohamed really wants to get to the point where it's like you're playing fifa and you know when it's a foul and you know when it's not a foul and like it's always 100 percent the right call yeah <laughs> But yeah, very yeah. good. Very good too, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. just an impossibility. Like, do I VAR is getting helping get more decisions right than wrong? Yes, absolutely. I do agree with that. But you are losing some of the fact that you know some of the things that I think you should let go are not being let go as a result because they're almost too cautious now. And like, it will be thing we're talking about. I can see why the ref gave it because if ref doesn't give that. He's in, he's in shit, you know? So it's, I don't know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Also, I think, yeah. I think also, like, I think VAR, they could, they could try and implement new ways. They could do things like, for example, you watch it on VAR, but you watch it real time. Or you watch it maximum sped down, like, by, like, 25%. But you don't watch this frame-by-frame frame motion of someone's mm-hmm. foot. Like, you just can't do it that way. You, you, yes, you want to replay. You want to see it again. See it again, but the same way you would have seen it on the field. Maybe a different angle, but still at full pace. Because at full pace, like, the players making these fouls and making these decisions are making them at full pace. So you cannot bring it down to a frame by frame, pixel by pixel, and then be like, oh, look, well, he touched him. Well, obviously, the game is being played at 100 miles an hour, and you're refing it at zero miles an hour. It just doesn't line up. It makes zero sense. Yeah, you know, to that point, it's actually even hard on replay to see because sometimes these players' bodies physically are so strong that it looks like a little bit of a touch for them. But actually, it's quite a bit of a contact. If a normal person had that kind of contact, they'd be, they'd be crying and suing and calling their lawyer like... If you look at players going out for a high ball and they fall on the ground, sometimes they're falling directly on their hip. 
you know, that's a, that's like a, I'm, I'm getting in my thirties now. So I understand like that's a significant contact on your body part, <laughs> but like as a 20 something year old, who's a fit premier league player falling on your hip, like it's nothing to them. So it's also like hard to judge from sitting on the couch. I mean, one thing about football that we know even from playing casually is the, you can be running full pelt and the littlest touch because of, you know, momentum and how it works can send you flying. Yes. But also the refs need to understand, is this person exaggerating the fall, right? The fact that there is, that there is contact is enough for a referee to go on those contact. I don't really care what happened after that. But, like, you can judge if someone exaggerated or really felt the effects of that or not by looking at the goddamn replay you're still looking at. So take that into yeah. account as well. But, you know, and, liability. And, and you, you touched on a good example, which is the Thiago Silva thing, and which isn't to say that he exaggerated. I don't think he did. But that's a perfect example of someone who's running with enough momentum that the tiniest touch sent him flying, right? But, like, that was clear to everyone and their dog. But that wasn't reversed because of the... Um, clear and obvious error thing and their need to to not undermine the referee on the pitch even if it means staying with the wrong also decision. also let me let me let me tell you this if, if this var is the whole point is to ask the referee to come back and look at it the number of times that the referees don't give something when they go look at the screen is almost never yeah so it's just like i mean that doesn't make sense statistically sometimes you need to go back and go like no that's fine. But it never happens because another referee has made the call. The referee on the field, it puts him in a really awkward position of like, well, there's three dudes in this van looking at this monitor saying, hey, you better come check this out. You missed something. And then all of yep. a sudden, he's going to come back and say, no, nah, I'm good. Thank you. Like, it's too late. The minute you walk to that screen, you're you're giving the opposite call or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Because that's the it, point of it. The point that's what of happened it with that, Obi. Yeah. The point yep. of it is for those three guys to make the call. That's that. The guy is far away. That's the point. When they're like... We can't make this call, and we don't want to be responsible for what's going to happen next. We're sending this little schmuck yeah, to yeah, go exactly. to the TV and go look at it. <laughs> why, why did they send the referee from the field to go? You're also a, a Premier League referee. You just tell him in his ear, you made a mistake, give it the other way, and move on. Like, Why does he go to the screen? Not to mention, it's so awkward when they go over to watch it, and there are players standing right behind them, also looking at it and shouting at them. Like, What kind of environment <laughs> is that in which to make a decision? I don't know, man. Honestly, like, I know it's some calls can be subjective and stuff, but honestly, like, I'll just, like, you know, across a Premier League weekend, I feel like I'll watch all the games and I'll see all the highlights. And, like, it'll, it feels so easy to go, yep, foul, no, not foul, yep, red card, no, red card. Like, it just feels like it's not that difficult or not difficult enough to get this much kind of drama out of it. That's yeah. all. I don't know. To me, it's still, it still hasn't proven worth sucking the joy out of scoring a goal for this. Like it's Ooh, only offsides. I like offsides. I like offsides. I think offsides are great. You keep goal line technology and you keep offsides. Everything else, all this red card bullshit that it, like a player gets a red card a game now because of VAR, like you just do offsides because offsides are fair. Like if, if defenders are trying to keep someone on side offside, then kudos to you, you get it. Fine. And a goal line technology because a goal is a goal. Other than that, don't go reviewing every single tackle. Don't go reviewing you know I, 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 I don't like the like. red card one I agree. But my favorite my favorite thing to hit on right now is when a goal is scored, the player isn't sure if it's if it's a goal because they've waved it offside, and then VAR goes, actually, it's not, and they celebrate again. Like, have some shame. Just just have a little bit of shame. Go <laughs> to walk a, back. A it's done. Thing, it, yeah, is, it is a, it is like a Liverpool. It's a Jota specialty uh, in particular. Sorry. I just want to get this out, Alex. But how are you going to VAR Neymar dives? Because that guy is—he's impossible. He's like a jellyfish. Like, but sometimes he does get a fractured vertebrae. You know, like it's hard to tell. Anyway. I'll yes, sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like once or twice a career. Such a philosophical question. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's, that's enough about referees and stuff. In fact, we're probably over time. If anything, they so, did. Unless... To be fair, to be fair, they did yeah. promise us that VAR would take away all the all the drama from discussing this kind of stuff, which it did not. <laughs> no, it did not. Red card for VAR. <laughs> Let's review that. That's yeah. it. The oh, only person still, still who doesn't card. require a VAR review is Xhaka. These things just happen and they just go, you know what, we're not, just get out. <laughs> I'm going to review it. Just go. Straight just go. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, all they do is they check that it's Xhaka on the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. is. All right. How many, how many major decisions in your footballing memories would have been overturned by VAR. I'm, oh. I'm thinking right off my head, the Johnny Evans on Drogba assault, that was a red card. He'd yeah, go to jail. Um, Terry Henry's <laughs> handball against Ireland. 
Tyrion oh, against oh. Ireland at all. Lampard's goal line against Germany. There's so yes. many, man. Like, yeah. do that penalty save in yeah. Liverpool Champions League final? That yes, was a disgrace. Man. He was like yeah. three. Also, uh, Gerard's dive to get a penalty. Like, come yeah. on. There's that Liverpool, Istanbul would have never happened with VR. <laughs> never. Yeah. Oh, oh, the whole, the whole um, Barcelona dynasty would not have happened. With yeah. VAR, oh, well, because five penalties for Chelsea. Yeah, they, none of those things would have happened. <laughs> See, this <laughs> is why happened. VAR is shit. Like all these things are amazing, and I'm so glad they happened. Like... <laughs> oh to be God. fair, to be fair, the Chelsea, Bar- the Chelsea Barcelona game. No matter what, that referee was paid. He would have still oh, gave yeah. the same oh, decisions. He was. He, was. Yeah. Well, he, he went into hiding afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was literally paid. There was a whole incident like a few years later, and it was like, oh, a semi-final match in the Champions League. Let's not mention the teams. Yeah, Pep, Pep doesn't talk about that when he talks through his, his achievements. No. By far. Anyway, <laughs> by far. We better leave it there by far. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Later. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.